Hello, everybody. Welcome. My name is Leah, and I am a midlife transition specialist, television host of Awakened with Leah, the next chapter, and an author. Let me welcome my guest, and I will continue. Hi, Janice. Hello, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for asking. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. I was just introducing myself and I will I will then move forward into the topic of the day, pursuit of happiness. So as I was saying, my name is Leah and I coach divorced women in midlife to recover from the emotional stress and mental fatigue of divorce with far less fear and doubt about their future by guiding and designing a clear vision together so my clients can lead with confidence and peace into their new chapter. So again, thank you for for joining me. So my question for everyone is, are we chasing happiness or are we practicing happiness? Because there's a big difference between chasing after happiness and practicing happiness. And when we chase after happiness, we're coming from a perspective of lack. We don't have the thing that we want. But when we practice happiness, we're active participants in making ourselves happy. So what is your perspective? And I will share a few different perspectives so that someone can recognize where they may be at in the pursuit of happiness and where they could be. So one of the ways we could be looking at it is, I'll never be happy again. Or I will be happy when my environment changes, meaning if he or she doesn't say this anymore or stops doing this, then I'll be happy then. Or we're forcing ourselves to be happy. Um, Another perspective is we make ourselves feel better by rationalizing certain situations that are occurring in our lives. Or we're focusing on making others happy without self-care. So we're undermining what's going on underneath us. So it's almost as if we're, we're filling a void by focusing on making others happy. And then on a higher perspective, you know, we're looking to see what the experience offers in terms of growth, knowledge, and opportunity for, for happiness. And lastly is just simply... I'm here, I'm experiencing the situation without judgment, it just is. So I wanted to throw out those, those examples to, to, you know, for whoever's listening to really ask themselves, like, where, where am I at? Like, how am I thinking? And um, offering those, those higher perspectives of where you could be um, looking at to lead you to more to more happiness so janice what i mean did you want to maybe share where where you think your perspective is thank you leah yes i would love to share you know perspective i think sometimes as far as when we are speaking thinking or feeling happiness can be subjective depending on what the situation is Um, For instance, if we say, you know, and I'm referring to my ex, um, 
you know, if I had that new Jeep, I'll be happy when I have that new Jeep and the new Jeep comes and there's, there's no, there's that initial happiness and that fulfillment, but then the perspective somewhat changes. So I think what, as I learn and as I continue to learn, cause we never stop learning that I think we need to feel what really matters to us as far as happiness, because I can't make somebody happy. Hopefully I can fulfill their happiness and, and share in that happiness with them. But, you know, I also have to be happy within myself. So I really think, and obviously you're the expert on this, Leah, in the pursuit of happiness. I think really at times it could be subjective and objective, maybe from somebody's other somebody else's point of view or perception and i yield thank you janice well you know when we say i'll be happy when that's our ego that gets in the way of our happiness see here's the thing we think being there is the ultimate experience because we haven't allowed getting there to be fun so we've been doing things backwards we think the end destination is what's going to make us happy and bring us the feeling of freedom and fulfillment and happiness. So how can you stop putting what you already have on hold for your dreams? See, when we detach from chasing success, success comes flooding in without the tug of war, without the push and pull and the hustle. And no amount of money can take away what you already have. I mean, it can amplify it, but all of your power resides internally in every given moment, not externally outside of us. So uh, Janice, would you be willing to do an exercise with me? Yes. Okay. So grab a pen and paper. All right. Okay. So I want you to think of a big goal, like, uh, you know, a home, a car, a lover, a uh, six-figure business, whatever whatever it is. Like, just think of a big goal and imagine that it's already happened. Okay. So with imagining that it already happened, what are the feelings that accomplishing that goal brings to you? First thing is, damn, I actually did it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so you, did you write it down? Yep. Okay. I'm, so now I want you, the third thing is, by when do I want this to happen? So for example, my client felt once she finds the love of her life, she'll feel a sense of security and abundance. Hmm. So by when do I want this to happen? Before my fast approaching 60th birthday. <laughs> okay. All right. So here's the tricky part. Okay. The first goal that you wrote down, that big goal, mm -hmm. is not actually your goal. The one about, it, my example, was finding the love of your life. The true goal is the second thing that you wrote down, the feeling of security and abundance. See, the first thing that you wrote down is simply a strategy that you've identified to get to that feeling. So now... For that third answer, when you look at by when do you want to accomplish it, 
How many strategies do you think you can come up with in any given moment to accomplish the true goal, the feeling that you want to experience? Because this is where we realize that we put off having the fullest experience of our life, thinking that there's only one main strategy to get there. And the thing is, we can create the experience of abundance, security, freedom, whatever it is you're looking for at any given moment on any single day. But so often we prolong receiving the true goal, believing we have to wait to accomplish the big goal, that first strategy that you wrote down. So when we focus on the true goal of creating the feeling that we want to be experiencing in our day-to-day life, one of two things happen. We manifest the strategy or it doesn't even matter if we accomplish it or not. See, the truth is I'll be happy when it doesn't exist because there's never an end to growth and improvement. And when you get there, there's another there and another there to reach for. Make sense? Yes, it does. And I have a a question for you, if you don't mind me asking. Yeah. So when we when we say to ourselves, you know, and I know that obviously I've said that numerous times and probably will in the future as well, when I'll be happy when, I'm almost feeling that that when is um, very objective. And (laughs) what if we just said, uh, you know, the hell with the objective and you know let's move forward and get this get this done in other words live in the moment of those feelings now versus i'll be happy when so i guess what i'm trying to ask in a very roundabout way is is it possible what whatever goal or whatever situation is is it possible to live it as if we've already achieved it I mean I think that's probably a good thing to do Um, and then the second part of that question or maybe a statement is is that really the ultimate goal we're looking for and I guess maybe that would be more subjective well we want to be able to shift our energy so if we're imagining our goal is already accomplished or imagine that, you know, you want to be on vacation on a beach. So if you're imagining yourself on a beach and how that makes you feel, then you're in that feel good moment in that moment. And then that builds momentum when you're focusing on what makes you feel good. If we're focusing on stuff that doesn't make us feel good, then that's what grows. So wherever we're focusing our attention, that grows. Now, being in the present moment, not judging the present moment certainly helps that. But when you're saying being objective, we can't be objective if we're not aware. So, you know, 95% of our mind is subconscious and unconscious, and only 5% is conscious. So the question is, how aware are we to our thoughts and emotions? And so it, you know, we need to bring a lot of awareness to that. But, you know, fear of the future and regret and guilt of the past doesn't actually exist in the present moment. So the quickest way to get to those good feelings so that we can continue to build on those good feelings is imagining how you would feel when you accomplish something that you 
would like to be doing um, or the aftermath of a divorce or like I said, being on the beach. Does that answer your question? Yes, it certainly does. Thank you. Okay, great. So I, you know, I believe that there are 10 key factors in our happiness and I'm going to share them with you all today. Um, the first one is just like the weather, our moods are always changing and recognizing and accepting our moods and knowing that they will change is important in being happy. So when we're in a real good mood, high mood, we know it doesn't last, that's for sure. So knowing that when we're down, it's easier to weather the low knowing it won't last and that our natural balance will soon bring us up and just appreciating for what it, what it is. Um, a lot of times it's, it's those experiences actually that provide opportunities of clarity and having that perspective will put you in the direction of happiness. And so oftentimes, you know, we're asked to, to be in gratitude. I mean, just, just even at the end of the day, what, what are the top three things that, that happened that were great today? And, you know, when we start to shift our focus on what was good today, um, and again, that's releasing expectations. We're not looking for, for perfection. We're looking for progress. Um, but just when we can shift our mindset of, oh, but okay, I, I've only acknowledged what didn't turn out today. What are the top three, three things that did turn out? So what are your thoughts on that, Janice? Well, definitely, I definitely have a lot of loaded thoughts right now, and that can be good and bad. <laughs> um, but I will say, you know, we do weather our emotions. Um, at, and sometimes it can be stormy weather, right? Um, and it's not good to suppress them. I, and I think the key thing for me and maybe for others is acknowledgement and acceptance. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to move on to the, to the next one. Cause that's going to address a lot of the things that you mentioned also. Um, choosing balance without judgment. So it's not about trying to be happy all the time. Being happy means appreciating all that life has to offer. So we would like to think that balance means having all aspects of our lives in equal proportion. But the truth is balance is more like focusing a little here and then a little there. You know, balance should be seen from a, a, a grand perspective, not in a snapshot of, of your life in this moment. It's the long haul that life includes both pain and pleasure, joy and grief, and every other experience you can have. So instead of judging each moment as good or bad, remember that balance means flowing in one direction at a time. Oh. I didn't even notice the time went out. Hang on. Hello. Hello. I saw that you were in, you were waiting first, I, I believe. So thank you. Welcome. 
Yeah. How are you, Leah? I'm doing great. Okay. I saw this topic, pursuit of happiness. There was a philosophical question at one time for me, uh, as somebody who is interested in the deeper aspects of life. So this was uh, presented like, a, is there pursuit of happiness or happiness within us? You know, what made me think like that was, I'm a yoga practitioner for a long time, right? So I heard the stories about the ancient yogis um, who have found that contentment, happiness within, and then they marched in their life. So they were kind of very productive people, but didn't want anything for themselves. They did everything for the welfare of the society, the kind of sacrificial nature and all that, you know. But they were very happy and contented and blissful to begin with. If you see them, they have this uh, uh, best smile <laughs> that you could really be infectious with, you know. And they faced both the uh, moments of achievement and also uh, lack of achievements at the same way. They called them a special name. It's called Thita Pragnata. That's the kind of a, a mental state you aspire and you go to. Then when we examine our modern society, the pursuit of happiness, probably people are thinking like pursuit of pleasure and they're missing the you know, real happiness in that way. Um, and also they get depressed when the pleasure is taken away from things too. It's like a feeling of abundance that they found that was very content for them and then they didn't want anything else, you know. So I kind of marched on that and then found out what that was, what the practices and all that. What it was was, really calming the mind and then really finding our real intuitive self that is really content and blissful and happy. So I wanted to share that with you. That's why I came up. Well, thank you. And yeah, so that speaks to are you chasing happiness or are you practicing happiness? And the way we can practice happiness is based on our perspective. So if we're looking at things as simply just experiencing a situation without judgment, without expectations, and being in gratitude, we are choosing to be practicing happiness. But a lot of times things are occurring in our life because we are unconscious. We're not aware of things and we're not aware of what's even happening around us and why, because we are, it, it, the thoughts that we have are subconscious. So we're living in more of chasing happiness because our belief is I'll never be happy again. Or, you know, after a divorce, you know, the, the thought of being alone is daunting. Um, so we are in that perspective chasing happiness. We de so desperately need it. We're coming from a place of lack. But when we become conscious and aware of things, then we are making a conscious choice to be practicing happiness from a, a level of perspective of no judgment and no expectations, because we do have the understanding of that our moods, like I mentioned, are going to change the highs and the lows. But also looking at the lows as opportunities because we gain more clarity from those lows than we do from the highs. So it's really, it's inviting them in. Yeah. You see, there were some differences from uh, what the ancients practiced and this. I'm mentioning mainly because 
they're relevant to our burnout syndrome, stressed out people and all that, right? So right. A lack of awareness is a big deal because people are in the thought, intellectual thought, egoic thought, or, you know, something like a, you know, past and uh, future, but not in the present. So what I actively uh, practice and teach them is present moment awareness. Life is here and now, you know, it's just, uh, it's, we can learn from the past, but don't live in the past. But you can really plan for the future, but be aware of what you are doing now, all the steps leading to that goal. People get lost in the goal and then they forget about the present moment and the process that is here. So that's another thing is the suffering is looked at an opportunity to grow to learn from what you are saying about the same thing. You know, so kind of uh, uh, you use that occasion of suffering and then learn from it, thereby you are strong and also you can improve on the life. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and it's understanding that we can't be in the present moment if we're thinking about the past or feeling, you know, guilty and sad and what disappointed about the past or we're worrying about the future. The future hasn't happened yet, so we need to understand that, and we can't change what was. So with that understanding, being in the present moment gives us a, um, an opportunity to set ourselves up for success in, in the sense of what is it that we really are wanting to achieve here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely, because... Uh the present moment as I look at it is really like there's another thing uh, Leah I wanted to share with you is um, they talked about a perfection from which the human being is formed and it is there when you are separated from the perfection the perfection still remains within you and then um, you can identify that and rest assured you will be in that forever fulfillment and that's what the yogis were talking about. That's what I'm also kind of familiar and then try to uh, live that and uh, share with other people, not by words, but the experiential thing. You know, it's not like a, something can be described, but it is there. We can strive for it, uh, not even strive for it. You can just identify because it's already there. I, I, I agree with you. You know, words don't teach, experience yeah. teaches. And I always say it's progress, not not perfection. Yeah. Um, but the thing is that a lot of us live in the world of uh, living in other people's expectations of who we should be and what we should be doing. And so it's a very distorted version or um, vision of uh, other people's belief of perfection not our yeah. belief so it's about uncovering those hidden beliefs that we're not aware of fortunately i got rid of that measurement thing by the others kind of more aware of who we are you know so that kind of i am sensation i am not in a egotistical way but most like a realizing what we are made up of not the body and mind and beyond. But that is what I found between the West and the East. East at one time, they were more uh, interior, inner oriented. And then they also got this uh, West orientation of ego and profits and all that. And then they are drawn out of that too. I kind of uh, find that very interesting that pandemic gave us an opportunity. Many people turned inward and found out what's going on with me, what's going on with my life, what's going on with my job. And then they found a lot of these people are exploiting me. I'm not getting anything in my life. 
I'm not able to spend my time with my family or with myself, self-care. So they are resigning now. Massive resignation going on across USA because they realize there's more uh, when they are alone with little and spending time with the family. That's much more fulfilling to them rather than going and working meaninglessly and then not missing out on the important things. Anyway, Leah, thank you very much. I have to go. I'm on now. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'll just respond as as you um, exit. But, you know, our, our ego wants to keep us safe. So it's really uncovering um, why am I sort of going down a little into because uh, it's okay consciously if we if we want to retreat back a little bit. Um, so it's it's about being aware that what's the intention behind it. So if it's just so that we're not feeling how we're feeling, we're not really uncovering what's underneath that at the core in order to be able to bring us into motion and, and in gear towards how we want to feel. Um, okay, so let me bring up my next guest. Hi. Hi, Lee. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for joining. Well, thank you for the topic and the various insights uh, your guests have brought, including um, Dr. Rao. And um, they got me um, um, thinking and thought perhaps I could also make a slight contribution. Absolutely. I definitely invite any contributions. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I'd like to make my contribution um, on, the, on the spiritual and the scientific um, basis um, and my own um, personal experience. But first of all, I don't think I could um, make my contribution without referring um, to um, Wabin Drath, and I hope Dr. Rao will correct me, um, to go. And um, he was the um, first lyricist to win the Nobel Prize, non-European lyricist to win the Nobel Prize. And he was a polymath, a writer, a philosopher, and a social reformer. Now, he said, be open to everything, but attached to nothing. And the reason I gave a little background about him is this was somebody who was a polymath and used his gifts to um, bring so much to um, literature and to the country and to the world. But the words be open to everything, but attached to nothing. And I think that attachment is what takes away the joy um, which we have. Because I think joy is something inherent in us and happiness is that expression of that joy. So in this fast-paced world that Dr. Brown mentioned, where money and sex rule everything, our minds are ruled with that. And therefore, any emotion 
that does not reflect those two aspects is repressed and therefore the joy which we have is repressed. So when I say emotion, I'm not if you if you if you'd let me talk about the scientific aspects of it because yeah it's signals that come and the brain executes and the brain executes in one way by neuropeptides our brain and our body executes with neuropeptides which then determine our emotions so if we look at that line, and, go, and there are three lines I want to explore because, you know, the body is much, much more complex. Um, but if we, we're looking at it in a general linear perspective, this is how I make, I'm trying to explain it. I, it I, I appreciate the body is much more complex and I don't want to get <laughs> lost, lost in the scientific yeah. aspects of it. But the thing is that the emotions are telling us something. And if we don't listen to those emotions and ask ourselves, sit with them and ask ourselves, what is the cause of this emotion? And, and sort of listen rather than our senses, then we are constantly repressing the joy that we have because we're living in a state of stress. And when we live in the state of stress, we're activating our sympathetic pathway. So when I say sympathetic pathway, look at, and as I said, I'm speaking very generally in the linear function, look at fight or flight. If you're fighting and you're flighting, what are you going to do? Are you going to think of options? No, you're not. You're just going to think of something familiar that you know of. And you're going to head in that direction. When there are lots of opportunities, as Einstein would say, the quantum soup with a lot of probabilities, but you are focused on one at the discount of all the others. But when you are at rest, when you're open to everything but attached to nothing, when you are rest and you are activating the parasympathetic system um, as deep breathing uh, does, because with deep breathing, you quieten the vagus nerve and the vagus nerve sends all the signals from your body to the brain and says, what can we do? But if, you, if you're calm and the signals are less, you see much more opportunities. Think about it. If you're, if you're angry with someone and you're shouting and someone breaks up the shout and you have a few moments of calmness, it takes away the heat out of it because you are not in the fight or flight response where you're triggering your belief systems which have come from the signals of the tribe or what your uh, those around you have have thought about. So it's really important. And one last scientific example, because you have the signal, goes to the limbic system, there's a pause before it goes to the prefrontal cortex. Scientifically, there's a pause. Spiritually, 
we're connecting to our higher self, not connecting to the impulsive behavior which we are used to, but connecting to our higher self, which is devoid of senses, but our inner being, which is divine love. So the pursuit of happiness for me is to connect to our higher self, meditation, deep breathing, pausing, prayer. All the ancient masters talk about getting up in the morning and praying, meditating, whatever prayers, meditation. Because if you don't, you're going to start bringing the past into your present. And when you do that, your solutions are limited and you're detached from your higher self. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. No, that that was amazing. You know, it, and this is part of bringing bringing us to a place of awareness and consciousness. Because, first of all, just knowing that our emotions are guides. Okay, they are telling us exactly where our thoughts are and where our wounds are. So when we do get triggered, it's a great opportunity to really take a step back and ask ourselves questions. You know, what am I feeling? Not how am I feeling? What am I feeling? And what am I thinking that's making me feel this way? And how am I taking this to mean, or what am I taking this to mean about myself, taking things personally, right? Mm -hmm. But we also want to know where, you know, where was all this created? And besides the fact that we have grown up um, with unchanged beliefs mm-hmm. from, you know, handed down to us from generation to generation, we've never questioned those beliefs. So we just mm-hmm. believe them to be true, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so something will happen when when we're younger and we have this stress reaction to it and that's when our our hardwiring begins between mm-hmm. stress and our phys- physiological response to it and then as adults it's it's not rocket science that all of a sudden something will happen and our brain will literally go right back to that experience mm-hmm. and okay. So what, what's happening here is, and I, I call it the ish. So mm-hmm. we have our inner critic that says, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. And usually that's based on an experience that we had or something that somebody said to us. And because of our inner critic or thanks to our inner critic, we come up with all these stories that we have made up about ourselves and others. You know, what are they going to think of me? What if I fail? And then the H is for history. We think history is going to repeat itself. So uh, why bother? It's just mm-hmm. going to happen again, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if we come from a, a perspective where it's we truly believe that all experiences are valuable and life itself is an opportunity, mm-hmm. we can show up fearless. We can tap into the the flow of life, like being in the den of Zen and where we have access to our intuition, where everything just seems synchronistic, the perfect solution at the perfect time. And why why is that? We're feeling connected to everything and everyone because we're not judging what comes our way. Mm-hmm. We, we have this um, trust, this 
we've cultivated this inner trust in ourselves and a higher power. Mm -hmm. And it's all associated with less stress. So, and when you know that you're being guided, I mean, stress is not even, you know, on your, on your radar. Mm -hmm. um, and you just know everything's unfolding perfectly in the way it needs to be. Then we have less resistance to whatever is coming our way. And within all of that perspective, we are detached from the outcome, detached involvement. It doesn't mean we don't care. Mm -hmm. It just means that we look at things as we learn or grow. We mm -hmm. win or learn, right? Mm -hmm. So there is no failure in our vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, what you said um, really resonates with my life. Um, um, you know, uh, my parents were wise enough to send us to international school in our formative years. And, um, you know, um, um, and, you know, get to know about um, um, our rich, rich lineage. And that really helped me a lot because when later we moved and um, I would say labeled educationally subnormal, the skills that you said came into operation for a long time, for a long time, because the stimuli that comes from outside is it depends on how strong the stimuli is. And that's what why I got interested in the brain and in epigenetics. Because if a child is born, and you know, we call it the terrible twos, the child will say, no, no, no. But there comes a certain point where the stimuli of the environment is so, so strong. And then the child would yield. Because ch children are very have great critical thinking abilities. They will ask questions. They wouldn't accept. And that is, that those skills is what we lose as adults. And in order to be able to change that, one needs to find the symbols in which uh, the, the tribe is speaking and, and being able to suggest that perhaps this may be a way. Because the, you know, the uh, amygdala limbic system, is, if you think about it, like a filing cabinet. When something happens, it goes through it and says, which one? I'm talking very generally because yeah. the limbic system is much more complex. And says, which one? Oh, that's your impulsive behavior. But that's why the pause, meditation, whether it's through prayer or staying still and not letting the analytical brain be on chatter all the time, allowing it to diminish allows you then to open your mind to new signals. And when you get new signals, then the intentions become different. The behavior becomes different. Absolutely. The emotions are different. I'd like to end by um, a book. And um, I, um, she taught me, um, Candice Pert, uh, Molecules of Emotion. That's an excellent book. Thank and you. It talks about how um, she was the first. Um, Joe Dispenza and all the others came out. She, she, you know, people did not take her. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, do read her book, Candice Pert. Um, it's called. Thank you. I appreciate that. And you know, so it, to what you were saying, 
you know, not to underestimate the power of breath, because when we're taking a step back to breathe, it leaves space between what we're thinking and feeling. Mm -hmm. So what that does is you're not attached. Therefore, mm -hmm. you're able to see with more clarity. And mm -hmm. since we can think more clearly, we're mm -hmm. able to respond instead of react. Mm -hmm. So become an observer to your thoughts, be a de detective, use this childlike curiosity to observe, which will separate uh, your, your interpretation for the facts. And when we observe without judgment or beating ourselves up, we are not our thoughts. It just is. Therefore, it loses its power to trigger you. And then you're not giving your power away. And also reminding ourselves that you know, nobody can push a button we don't have. So if we do get triggered, like I mentioned, it's an opportunity to lean into our emotions to become aware of what brought it on. And I have another guest, hang on. Hi, Janice. I'm back. Hi, how are you? Good. What amazing speakers that you had on. And I, I just want to say a big thing. Weren't they fabulous? Oh, my gosh. I, this um, Your topic of conversation is amazing. So uh, please continue. Okay, I will continue. Um, I wanted to get to the other tip, uh, my third one, denial. So this is never spoken in the coaching world ever. But we never want to den deny our feelings. But many times... We think that indulgence will bring us happiness. So are we choosing immediate gratification or are we choosing the long-term satisfaction? So it doesn't mean not to give in to our desires from time to time, but when we honor ourselves and the self that will wake up the next morning to I'll be happier because I didn't, you know, indulge yes we denied ourselves uh the indulgement that we've looked at the bigger picture of you know how am i going to feel tomorrow if i do indulge in this so i just i wanted to add the denial part there um and i'll move on to the next one appreciate variety and anticipation so knowing how to how to make change work for you because life is change and change is inevitable. So this will be a key factor in our, in our happiness. Um, you know, do we anticipate and embrace change or are we running the other way? Because when we look forward to changing, we can appreciate the variety in life and in a more joyful way, anticipate events and goals. Um, you know, most variety uh, is, for the most, variety is the spice of life. So often we complain of, of boredom and burnout because we're doing the same things again and again. So, you know, signing up for, for a class or exploring new interest um, is, is a great way. And anticipation, the way we think about the future events is what separates those who are happy. Because anticipating what is to come while letting go of the expectation of exactly how it'll come is what allows you to be in the here and now while anticipating the future. 
or are do we worry about the future that hasn't happened yet therefore we're producing these negative emotions which are is draining and distracting so much of of um our happiness um and it, you know it doesn't allow us to look at a, a a perspective of letting go of the worry and staying in that present moment did you want to say anything to that or are you good for me to go on um just that i think we worry way too much i know that i do for certain things and i'm sure that other people can relate and that some sometimes that may impact us or derail derail us so um thank you for sharing that and yeah i'd love to hear yeah you know and that's it's it's it happens very often you know the fear of the future and i've said this before the future hasn't happened yet so we don't have control of the future we don't have control over what was we can understand it so that we, we can make changes in the here and now but the only thing we have control of is here in this moment so thank you for bringing that up um and then we want to challenge the status quo when we challenge the status the status quo we get out of our own box by seeing our life as potential not yet experienced instead of seeing our life as being filled with limitations. So when we ask, why is this the way it is? Um, it's not to be right, but to curiously question anything that seems to be a restriction or a limitation, um, <clears throat> then you open yourself up to new possibilities. So that was my next one. Um, the sixth tip I wanted to bring was create each moment as new. So realize that all you can control, which I've spoken to about this, is the moment that you are in, not the past and not the future. So bringing yourself into the moment takes practice, but it's essential to happiness. And by fully appreciating the moment as it is, um, it, as it's occurring, all the thoughts of the past and future are gone. See, there's no fear or worry in the present moment. So focusing on the now creates ultimate control. You know, think of a jar full of energy. If you are worried about something that might happen, some of that energy leaks out of the jar. Um, and the same is for certain thoughts that pop into our mind about the past. And you again lose more energy when you're focused on that. Um, and but when you're focused on in the present moment, you have a full jar, and being in that moment attracts more of that feel-good energy. Um, my next tip is develop support systems. So you know, not being afraid to ask for help. Um, surrounding ourselves with people that are like-minded, where we can have moments of laughter and happiness just by experiencing the relationship for what it is and not looking at it as that you need them to fulfill a void within you. Um, so, you know, support systems are, are really important. And 
the next one is challenging yourself to grow. You know, having the attitude that life is filled with adventure, information and insights and that good enough is not good enough. Why settle for anything? So challenge yourself to step out of your comfort zone. Um, and then the next one is consciously choose to resolve conflict. So one of the things that gets in the way of happiness is conflict in relationships and conflict with ourselves. And it'll remove the, the destructive and draining energy and replace it with energy that's more healing and growth oriented. And, you know, there's five methods of dealing with conflict. And we, we, have, we have five choices. There's, we can either suffer and be a victim to it. We can accept it and say, so what? And ask yourself, you know, if the issue will still matter in a year or even a week from now, we can change the situation and do what you can to intervene to bring it um, or move it closer to a resolution. We can avoid it, remembering we don't have to attend every argument we're invited to. And we can alter the experience. If you look at it um, different, the experience changes. So just knowing we have choices available to us is so powerful. And that helps us take our power back. And the last one I'm going to share with you is define yourself and express your gifts. I mean, when you create your mark in this world by knowing yourself and accepting all aspects of yourself, and sharing the gift that you are with others. I mean, that is, I mean, that's talk about creation at its best. You have this strong sense of self and identity because you've recognized your gifts and you've learned how to leverage those. And the experiences you're sharing with other people is you have this core confidence in your ability, but you also have this undeniable um, confidence in other people's ability to create change and transformation. So that's really co-creation at its best. So those are my tips for today. Um, and, you know, Janice, did you want to say something about that? Um, otherwise, I know I've kept people on for so long today. <laughs> oh. Uh, Leah, these these tips is, are just, you know, they're filling me with such hope. And you know, well, I'd say continue the conversation if for as long as you're you're able to do. Thank something. you. Well, you know, I I'm I'm going to bring it to a close in a minute, but I wanted to share something that I spoke with. Um, I think it was with Dr. Rayo. Um, one of the the key things is there's not much we can change when we're living life unconsciously. Now we don't know we're living life unconsciously. That's that's the thing. What we notice it as as patterns that are continuously repeating and we don't understand why it's happening, why we're always feeling sad or powerless or helpless to to change anything. It's like we're we're in a swamp and we can't get out and we think that we're saying and doing and and acting the way we should be but things just aren't turning out the way that we we want them to and um 
I have the honor as a energy leadership index master practitioner to offer an assessment to all those who want to bring those unconscious beliefs and patterns to the conscious in order to be able to to make the changes that they have been trying to for for so long and um i found that this was personally crucial in navigating any change that we want so for myself I took this assessment prior to becoming a master practitioner while I was going through my divorce. And it 100,000% helped me navigate through my divorce because there was so much I wasn't aware of. And then obviously I needed to, to indulge in coaching in order to be able to address those issues. But when you are really clear about who you are versus who you think you are, well, talk about magic happening. And so what the assessment uncovers is deep insight into those hidden beliefs and patterns beneath the surface that drive us to seek positive change or prevent us from following through on the things that we that we want to do. So it acts like a mirror to see how your current mindset supports who you are and who you want to be. And it might be working really well for you but it can also show, show where it's working against you, especially under stress. So it shows us your natural gifts, talents, and strengths, and how much of that potential you are accessing, as well as what might be getting in the way. And again, remember, 5% of our mind is conscious and 90, 95% is subconscious and unconscious. So there's so much we're not aware of, but as soon as we become aware, we have more choices available to us and life just gets easier. We have less stress and you just feel more confident and happy. So um, I am so privileged to be able to offer this to people because of how it changed my life. And I have all of my social media contacts on, on um, this site. Probably the easiest is to go to my website, personalchapter.com. And I've so enjoyed being here today and for all my guests who joined in. And if there's a particular topic that you would like me to speak to, please don't hesitate to message me and I will definitely bring that to the forefront. So again, thank you to everybody. Happy and healthy holidays. Thank you.